Mount up regulators, that's right, it's your favorite time of the week. I am your host, Waldo Waldy. Thank you for joining us, as always, on the Regulators Podcast. Now, the next time you will hear my voice after today will be week one of NFL action. I am so fucking excited. I'm sure you're elated as well. There's a lot we're going to get into today. Obviously, Cut weeks happened, you know, everyone had to get down to 53-man rosters. We're going to talk about some of the moves that have been made around the NFL to get ready for week one. But before we get into any of that, I have to talk about something that's been trending recently, and this story just gets wilder and wilder the more you get into it. And that is none other than Bishop Sycamore. So if you are not aware... Let me just kind of set the picture for you. So ESPN broadcasts a series of high school football games showcasing some of the best young talent in the nation that is playing high school football. And they had a game scheduled for IMG Academy, who is the returning powerhouse national champion, you know, amazing high school football program. And they were taking on a school called Bishop Sycamore. Now, this game was aired on ESPN, and it became apparent as the game started to progress that something was very, very wrong with this football game. Now, going into the game, uh, Bishop Sycamore allegedly had a bunch of D1 players. They had a roster that was submitted with a bunch of players that were supposedly blue-chip players that were going to be receiving offers from great colleges. So it seemed like a great matchup for ESPN to air. Now, what ended up happening was as the broadcast went on, people started digging into who is Bishop Sycamore. And the reason they were doing that was... A number of reasons. Number one, Bishop Sycamore was getting their asses handed to them. They lost, God, I want to say 54 to nothing, 60 to nothing. It was it was something similar around there. They got blown out, which, you know, in a typical high school game isn't unheard of. But the manner in which this team was getting handled was so atrocious. Bishop Sycamore only had roughly 30-something odd players on the team so they had players that were having to play both ways uh there was definitely injuries that occurred in this game but then it became apparent that the roster lineup that was provided to announcers wasn't necessarily an accurate roster um there were players with numbers on the field who they had no account for and they didn't know the announcers had no idea who these players were And then it became apparent that, well, maybe this school isn't as prestigious as a program as perhaps ESPN and others were led to believe. Then it becomes floating around that they are an online charter school and they don't actually have a physical school program and they may have coerced their way into this you know, primetime matchup against IMG Academy. 
then the story just continues to get out of control further and further to where now it's apparent that this is not an actual school program at all. Allegedly, this isn't a real program in any way, shape, or form. Their coach allegedly has a warrant out, an active warrant for arrest. Uh, charges included fraud and other things. The address for the school was a P.O. box, and the only physical address anyone could find was a sports complex, and someone within the sports complex said that they come and they practice there and they do some things, but there's obviously no school that's taking place at this sports complex. It just gets so wild and out of control, and I have so many questions. I mean, first and foremost, it then later we find out that this school played two games in a manner of three days. So first of all, that's not anything that normal high school rules allow for anything like that. But this school doesn't actually need to abide by any of those rules because they are not part of any sanctioned organization. They are not recognized by any governing body of athletic sports for the high school realm. Which leads me to my first question. How the fuck did they get on national TV playing the best high school in the country and they played two games in three days? Like, nobody did their due diligence? Now... ESPN, of course, is saying that they didn't secure the matchup, which is true. They didn't, you know, get those two teams together. There is a third-party company that ESPN has relied on and many other people have relied on to set up uh, high school matches around the country. And teams are allowed to play uh, teams that are out of their conference or that are not, you know, necessarily in the same uh, sanctioned governing bodies as who they are to fill out their schedules to make sure that every school has somebody to play, et cetera, et cetera. However, the level of negligence that happened on such a broad scale here is just unfathomable, both by the company who was setting up the matchups, both by ESPN as well. I mean, you have to think when you're, a broadcaster or when you're someone who's covering these games, you have to do a little bit of research to say, okay, well, let's see what kids they have that are promising so that as I'm covering the game, I can talk about, well, yeah, he's a five-star recruit. You know, he came on, he was a walk-on his junior year, or et cetera, whatever it is. Like, so during your due diligence, aren't you coming across, wait a second, no one's ever been to this school physically. No one's ever seen anyone who is a student here outside of Manti Teo's girlfriend. Like, none of this is ringing alarm bells. Nothing's raising red flags. How is it possible that a fake school with no real school program got a bunch of people together that supposedly are JUCO dropouts and adults that are nowhere near high school age, that are playing in this football game against these high school kids, which the high school kids whoop their ass all over the place. And I mean, granted, they're the number one school in the country. But how does this happen? Like, how how does this exist? I mean, it just, it blows my fucking mind. The lack of places who don't have compliance and things 
in place to ensure that things like this don't happen. So there's a lot of people with egg on their face right now. But if you haven't read the story, I implore you to go Google Bishop Sycamore and it'll automatically come up and you'll see what's going on. And I'm sure it's only going to get more intense and just wilder as this story continues to develop. But that for me was just something that made me go, holy shit. I, I couldn't believe that, that that happened and ESPN uh, let them get away with that. But speaking of other things that have made me go holy shit on TV recently, I don't know if you guys are watching Hard Knocks, but on the last episode of Hard Knocks, not the one that just came out, but the one from last week. So the last episode of Hard Knocks, they had a continuous drone shot of the Dallas Cowboys facility and the surrounding grounds in Frisco and my god it just shit all over every single complex that exists in the NFL now listen I know that Jerry World is a palace I know that there is some amazing stadiums out there some state-of-the-art beautiful stadiums and I've been fortunate enough to see some facilities around the league that are just gorgeous and they're world-class and they're amazing, right? But it's kind of like thinking, you know, going to a nice beach in the Keys somewhere and thinking, wow, this is paradise, this is great. And then you go to fucking Bali, right? You go to Fiji and you, you go, oh, this is fucking amazing. So that's what it was like watching this continuous drone footage fly through not just their practice facility, their staff quarters, their gymnasium, their fields and everything, but the surrounding area where they have shops and they have a hotel and they have everything you could ever, like you do not need to leave this complex. You do not need to leave this, this area. And it's something out of a dream. And I mean, for all the times that I chide Jerry Jones, and it's often because I, I think he gets way too involved with the football operations and the fact that his son is the GM, and it just, I think it has a lot to do with why the Cowboys on the field have not been successful for a long time. I have to give the man credit where it's due, and I mean, there's a reason the Cowboys are worth what they are worth, and my God, the complex that you see out there, and then you're wondering, why are they playing on a sandlot out in Oxnard? Like, how much money are you getting off of that deal where you're just going to go play in this ridiculous <laughs> makeshift kind of facility where people are watching from their house windows while they're having breakfast watching you at practice? So, you know, regardless, hats off to Jerry. You know, I thought Jerry World itself was the impressive feat, but that entire compound out in Frisco is just a sight to be seen. So hats off to the Cowboys there. Now, hats off to someone who's very near and dear to me, and that would be myself. I would like to give a special shout out to the Regulators podcast because last week, if you listened to our show, we told you that there was a lot of teams with some banged up running back rooms, including the Rams. They lost Cam Akers for the season, and then obviously Daryl Henderson had a hand issue that he was dealing with. And I told you, I said, if you've been watching the Patriots preseason games, you look at that running back stable, and my God, there's got to be someone in there with some trade value. There just has to be. You look at what J.J. Taylor has been doing, Ramondre Stevenson's back there, and you say, well, Damian Harris, uh, Sony Michelle, James White, 
somebody there has to have some value because there's too many guys to try to get on the field. And so knowing Bill, you know, he's willing to make a deal. So I said on last week's episode, pick up the phone, call Bill, see what he wants for one of those running backs. And sure as shit, I would say within four hours of our episode going live, the news came across that the Rams were trading with the New England Patriots and they were going to acquire Sony Michelle. So I think that was a great move for the Rams, great move for the Patriots. Um, but it's always nice to, you know, see see the proof in the put- pudding that obviously the NFL insiders around the football world are listening to the Regulators podcast. Obviously, I'm not that full of myself, but I do like to credit myself when we get them right. Um, so speaking of another one that we did get right was obviously telling you that the Broncos should pick up the phone, call and inquire about Teddy Bridgewater because as soon as Sam Darnold came into town, I was like, they're crazy. Get Teddy Bridgewater on a plane immediately. The Broncos did that. And you know what a big supporter we've been of his. So I am happy that he got announced as the starting quarterback. Obviously, Drew Locke was not happy about it. But I got to say, the young man took it in stride. And I think he's going to be a model teammate. And whether he gets his chance at some point with the Broncos or with another team, we'll have to see. But another quarterback who is going to get a chance with another team in some capacity is Garner Minshew. So the mustache is taking his talents to Philly. If uh, if you've been listening to the show, we've talked about it for a while, that Garner Minshew, I think, is very underrated. I'm not saying that he's a surefire starting quarterback in the NFL, but he definitely, for as young as he is and for what he's been able to do, Given the circumstances he's been put in, I think that there's a lot of talent there. And what you don't know is that I actually have known about this trade being in the works for quite some time now. Um, I do have the receipts, but I have not mentioned it to very, very few people, people I trusted that I knew were tight-lipped and it wasn't going to get out. Um, This trade has been in the works for some time now. They have been trying to move Garner Minshew. He was informed that he would be moved and it was just kind of working out the details and getting the right deal. So eventually it ended up happening with Philly and they made the deal and Garner Minshew now is out of the way from Trevor Lawrence and Trevor Lawrence doesn't have to worry about anything but his own shadow and Garner Minshew hopefully will get an opportunity to uh, learn in what Philadelphia likes to call quarterback you over there uh, with the Eagles. So that'll be something to watch. One quarterback that we're not going to talk about on this show, the quarterback who we will not speak of, you can take a guess who it is. He's been in the news recently a lot, and there's been lots of drama surrounding. He wants a trade. Is he going to get traded? Oh, I hear he wants to go there. No, maybe he doesn't. Oh, this team wants him. No, they don't. They want this guy. And then, oh, is it just smoke? I'm not going to talk about that person. There is a moratorium on that name, and that name will not be mentioned on this show until, at such time, there is noteworthy news. Noteworthy news means an actual trade, an actual release, an actual something happening that actually affects the football career of that person. But until such time, there is a moratorium, and I will not speak on that person's name. I will, however, speak on reporters, agents, And even team employees who are getting used, abused, and played like fiddles. And it's just amazing to me that there's only 
two possible scenarios, right? It's either people don't realize that they're being used or they know they're being used and they eat it up and they'll do it for the clicks and they don't care. Because the amount of garbage that's been floating around for the past three, four days and even beyond that, but especially the past three, four days, getting close to this final 53-man cutdown, has just been so asinine and so ridiculous. And I read some of these articles that are supposedly damning information from a team owner or a team coach, and you read the article, and throughout the entire article, there's, a, there's one quote, which is two words from a source who supposedly knows the person that the article is the subject of, and it says, says yes, or thinks okay, or wants this. Like, it's, it's two words in a quote, and then they fill it with another thousand words of bullshit, speculating what these two words mean that weren't even from the source. It was from someone who knows this. It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. And it's, it's to sell clicks, it's to get people riled up, and every time this past week I was on a show and I was asked about this topic, I was just like, God, like the terrorists are winning. The terrorists are winning. Because don't you understand this is what they want? This is like every year when they come out with a quarterback power rankings and they stick Blake Bortles somewhere in there at 17 or something or at 12 just to fuck with you. Just to get you to go, who is this guy making this list? This is ridiculous. Did you guys see? And the next thing you know, you're talking about their program. You're talking about their list. You're talking about them. And that gives them the clicks. This show is anti-clickbait. Always has been. Always will. So I am not going to get into that. I am not going to get into all of this hypothetical garbage Because that's all the fuck it is. That's all it's going to remain. So until it becomes anything of substance, you will not hear about it from me. And everybody out there who's doing the clickbait and the troll, all all of that shit, like, go ahead. Have at it. But that is never going to be this show. And the only reason we get rid of people like that, the only way that you get rid of the shock jocks, the only way you get rid of the people who are just trolling the NFL Twitterverse, and trying to get them to engage is to just not engage. It's to literally turn your head and walk away and find other sources of media, which there are plenty, including this show, which I'm pretty damn proud of, I do say so myself. We may not be the biggest, but you know what? I'm proud of the content that we do. So some someone else who should be very proud of some things that they're working on is the entire team out at Levi Stadium. So I happened to be watching a 49ers game uh, the other night, watching a preseason game. And you know during these preseason games, they bring in like the CEO or the GM and they start telling you about all the great things they're doing at the stadium, all the upgrades and how your season tickets, you know, come with all this value and stuff. So I was listening to that and I heard that all 49ers season ticket holders had free food and drinks available to them. And I was like, hold on, that can't be right. And I rewinded it to make sure I heard it right. And then I had to jump online to confirm. And it is true. So when you get a personal seat license with the 49ers, one of the things that's included is you get free food and drinks. Now, first of all, 
Obviously, it doesn't include alcohol. Let's not get crazy. But if you've ever been to a stadium and paid $10, $12 for a souvenir soda, you understand how ridiculous the prices are at stadium for any kind of food or drink. So the fact that you can go and get hot, and, and I'll tell you, I, I looked up the menu, and there's everything you could want on there. You've got hot dogs, you've got chicken tendies, you've got the, the fries, regular or garlic, nachos, regular, fully loaded. They've got sausages. They even have vegan options on there. I mean, popcorn, candy, you name it. And it's it's literally unlimited. So you get, I think you can get four items at once each time you walk up to the station, but you can go as many times as you want. So it's free food and drink. And I'm like, my God, why doesn't every stadium implement this? And they were talking about it. They said, you know, when you go in the suites, a lot of these club level, they have this all-inclusive food and drink. And they said, why don't we just make that available for all of our fans? And it's a brilliant, brilliant idea. Because let me tell you something. As a season ticket holder myself with the Miami Dolphins, I can tell you that I would pay extra. Like I would, I would pay for it in advance if I knew that my food and drink was covered. I could just go. If I want a soda, I get a soda. If I want a hot dog, I get a hot dog. If I want chicken tenders or I want some popcorn, I can just order it, grab it, and go and not have to deal with that. Oh my God, that's so amazing. And it even if you transfer your tickets to a friend or a family member, those benefits extend to them as well. And I'm thinking, you know, this is genius on so many levels. So the opposite of the shit show that's going on with whoever was overseeing the Bishop Sycamore game is the the level of planning and thought that went into this. Because you think about it, not only... Are you getting basically like a two-drink minimum? You know when you go to a comedy club or some of these other places, they have like a two-drink minimum. So you got to spend a little bit of money once you get in the place. So they now, obviously it's built in your season, into your season ticket price, but it's all-inclusive. And so now they've already basically got you on the hook for some food and some drinks, which is fine. It's more than worth it, and that's great. But all of the money that you would normally be spending on game day where you're like, oh, great, i got to spend 50 bucks on food and drinks today. No, you don't because it's out of sight, out of mind. It's already on your season tickets. And most people, if you're not paying up front in full, most teams have a pay-as-you-go plan where everybody gets charged a monthly rate. It's just like any other subscription service. It comes right out of your bank account. You don't even really think about it that much. So when you're at the game, and you're not having to spend money on soda and chips and uh, different things like that, well, now you've got money where you're like, well, I might buy some more beer, or I might buy myself something in the team shop because I didn't already spend $60 on food today, so I can't afford to go into the team shop. So it's such a genius idea, and man, more stadiums around the league, listen, if your team does this, has anything like this, we want to know. Hit us up on Twitter, at RegulatorsPod. And if your team doesn't, hit up your uh, season ticket holder rep. Hit up your people and say, hey, guys, this is an amazing idea. My team needs to implement this. So I think that's something that was pretty amazing when I heard about it. But we obviously want to get into the cuts. We want to talk about the trades and some moves that have been happening in the NFL. Obviously, you know, a lot of people on bated breath walking around unsure of their NFL future leading up to this past Tuesday. The first one right out the gate, you know we're going to talk about it, Cam Newton. So I know there are 
a few people that are claiming, oh, yeah, you know, you saw that coming. No, most people did not see this coming. Um, as a matter of fact, there is a beat writer for the New England Patriots up there in Boston who literally tweeted out, if there is a quarterback competition in camp, I'm not seeing it. Cam Newton is the QB1. And obviously through preseason, minds change and, and Mac Jones played very well. But again, let's not act like Cam Newton had a shit preseason, that he wasn't able to move the ball down the field or he wasn't able to complete passes or anything like that. However, the Patriots felt obviously what is best for the team, which Bill is always going to do right now, is Mac Jones. So that means we have Mac Jones and Tua week one, New England versus Miami, a couple of Alabama quarterbacks, which now that, that entire room, so Jalen Hurts, Tua Tungavailoa, and Mac Jones, all three were at Alabama at the same time, and now all three will be starting quarterbacks week one of the NFL season. But it is interesting with Cam Newton because even if he was not your choice for QB1, you have to think that he would add a lot of value, that he would add a lot of value to a quarterback room, especially with a rookie. You look at Cam Newton, you look at what he's been through in the NFL and all the experience that he brings. I mean, one of my favorite videos of all time is when him and I think it was, um, oh, was it Clay? I, w- I want to say that it was it was Clay with the um, with the Packers, but they were they were having a game and middle linebacker called out their play like what they were gonna do, and Cam Newton looks back at him and he says, "Oh yeah, that's nice. I watch tape too. How about this?" And he just starts going into his audibles, calls a wheel route, scores a touchdown, and it was amazing. So the fact that you can't use him in some capacity as a backup at all, that they would just cut him straight up, and especially he was making peanuts for an NFL quarterback, um, is very, very interesting because the Patriots are they're still on the hook for $400,000 that they owe him. And then they save like a million dollars by releasing him. But if another team signs Cam Newton, then they'll be on the hook for the million dollars with the other 400 and change coming from the Patriots. But it's just interesting to me. So you almost wonder one of two things. Either A, is it a situation where Bill came to Cam and said, hey, listen, we're going to go with the kid. We want to see what he's got. I appreciate what you've done, but you know, you're going to be the backup. And Cam was like, all right, well, can you just release me then? Because I, I want to go somewhere else and maybe something will happen. So that's one possible scenario. Or B, could it possibly be COVID-related? So we know that in the news recently, Cam Newton was away from the facility and there was some confusion about protocols and... Next thing you know, he had to go through the five-day re-entry period because he technically left town. Like, it was really bizarre. The whole thing was really bizarre. Um, And we don't know for a fact that, you know, that had anything to do with it. But, you know, one starts to wonder, especially when you start to see these reports like what we saw with Urban Meyer. So there was an article put out yesterday 
that said Urban Meyer absolutely considered vaccination status of who he was going to keep and who he was going to cut. And here's a direct quote from Urban Meyer. He said, everyone was considered. That was part of the production. Let's start talking about this. And also, is he vaccinated or not? Can I say that was a decision maker? It's certainly, it was certainly in consideration, end quote. So Urban Meyer flat out said, yeah, we were making cuts and we were looking, oh, is he vaccinated or is he not vaccinated? Now, I'm not saying that's the only you know, reason somebody would cut someone, but obviously it was a factor that teams were considering because, you know, if, if somebody is, uh, has, it's, it's not just because they're worried that someone's going to get COVID. It has to do with the, the protocols. The protocols are completely different as far as how often you have to get tested, what access you have to the facility, wearing a mask or not, like how many days you have to be on quarantine. If you're a close contact, if you are vaccinated and you're deemed a close contact, you do not have to isolate. It is not something that puts you away from the team. Whereas if you're unvaccinated, just because you're a close contact, you share the same personnel room with that person, then you are going to have issues. So we don't know how much of this went into Bill's factoring, but it was very strange to see Cam Newton all of a sudden find himself uh, without a job. Now, Cam was very gracious on social media, and he said, listen, you know, don't worry about me. I'm good. I'm blessed, you know, and next step will come, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll have to see where Cam Newton uh, lands next. But, you know, one of the things that I think is interesting about making the decision to go to Mac Jones now is I personally feel that this extends Bill's tenure. And let me tell you what I mean by that. So I originally was under an assumption that, remember, there was like 19 Patriots who opted out last year. Most of their team was just off, gone, missing. And with the sudden departure of Tom Brady and everything that had to change uh, to accommodate the quarterbacks that they had back there last year, including Cam Newton, uh, who did have the COVID issue and never seemed the same after that. Because I think a lot of people forget what those first few games were like, where the Patriots beat the Dolphins, then they almost beat uh, Seattle. It came down to the very last second, Cam got upended at like the two or the three yard line, but it was a hell of a game. It was an amazing game. And then, you know, once Cam got sick and then it just, it never was the same and, and the team kind of fell off. But having said that, I was under the impression Bill thought he had enough pieces back this year. He could make a strong push for the postseason. And, you know, Cam would be the guy at least to start the season, you know, and hopefully it would go well. And, Maybe he could pull one out of the hat. But when I see him go to Mac Jones, I do not believe, as cocky as Bill is, and I could be wrong, but I do not believe that Bill thinks he is going to win the Super Bowl with a rookie Mac Jones. Now, obviously, if he pulls it off, it would be the first time ever in history that a rookie has won the Super Bowl. Um, But... I don't think he's that cocky. I think he thinks anything can happen. He's, he's not, it's not like the season's a foregone conclusion. But I think he wants to get this kid in now because, you again, you look at the moves that Bill has made where he started giving away draft capital, 
giving away draft capital, picking up players, which he's never done. You look at the fact that he started spending. He broke the record for the most money spent in like the first five days of free agency ever. The guys, there were two top tight ends out there on the market. Bill signed fucking both of them. Like everything is uncharacteristically Bill. And that makes me feel he's pushing his chips closer and closer towards the center of the table. So, but I believe that this actually, this move to Mac Jones extends Bill because if he's going to put in all this effort into the rookie, I think he's going to want to try to see it through. So does that mean he stays for two to three more years and tries to see if he can keep chasing down Shula's record? Um you know, it, it might be a good thing. It might uh, rejuvenate him, so to speak. And uh, I'm sure that's something that the rest of the AFC doesn't want to hear. But we'll have to see, obviously, how it plays out. Now, sticking with the AFC East, um, the Jets have actually traded Chris Herndon um, and a six-round pick to the Minnesota Vikings for a fourth. Chris Herndon was someone that I liked for a long time, and even in fantasy, he was on my radar. I always thought he had the talent. Obviously, the quarterback play in New York was not great. So I'm not going to completely put his shortcomings on him. But now, going to the Vikings, you know, Kirk Cousins is no slouch. We make the jokes and everything, but I remind you guys all the time that he's one of the most accurate NFL passers that's out there, and he's part of one of the most efficient offenses in the NFL. It may not be pretty, it may not get the headlines, especially when their defense sucks and they don't win fucking games, but Chris Herndon will have the opportunity to make a splash with Minnesota. And, you know, rounding out the AFC East before we move on to the other teams, this is the first time since 1973 that one division has had all four starting quarterbacks at 25 years or younger. So you look at it outside of Josh Allen, who's 25 years old. The rest of the starting quarterbacks in the AFC East have nine NFL starts combined, and all nine of those are two of Iloa. So that means, you know, you've got two rookies, you've got two in his second year with nine starts, and then you've got Josh Allen, who's obviously going into his fourth year. So it is the young gun show in the AFC East, and if these quarterbacks hit, if even three out of four of these guys live up to somewhat near their potential, then the AFC East is going to be a lot of fun to watch for years to come. Now, a former AFC East player, uh, Malcolm Butler with the Cardinals, he has been placed on the reserve slash retired list. So word had been coming out that he was dealing with some personal issues and he was mulling retirement. Uh, supposedly some of his teammates and other people have tried to reach out to him but have not got a response. So the Cardinals have put him on that list, effectively ending his year um, before it even gets started. So hopefully everything is okay with Malcolm Butler, and I'm sure there'll be more news developing with that as the season gets underway. But speaking of DBs, Stefan Gilmore, star... Uh, cornerback for the New England Patriots is actually headed to the pup list. So the physically unable to perform, which means he will miss uh, the first six weeks of the season. Now, J.C. Jackson, I've told you guys, J.C. Jackson, in my opinion, I think is is going to be way better than Stephon Gilmore. This kid is good at football, man. 
And if you watch him, if you look at his numbers, if you study his tape, this kid is really, really good. So don't, you know, necessarily let the wheels fall off just yet. Um, obviously, you would love to have Stefan Gilmore back there in the uh, secondary for New England, but I'm really excited to see J.C. Jackson take another step forward in his progress. Um, somebody who uh, asked for a release and was granted it was uh, John Brown with the Raiders. So the speedster is now obviously up for grabs, so will be interesting to see uh, where he lands. Uh, hopefully he can add some depth to somebody's wide receiver room. Now, some interesting cuts that happened was the Detroit Lions have cut both of their kickers. So, the kickers were so bad, apparently, in Detroit that the Lions said, we don't need kickers. Um, obviously, it's very close. We are a week out from week one, and the Lions don't have a kicker. So, we know that Eddie Pinero is out on the streets, uh, I think. Uh, Nick Folk is out there uh, having lost the job to the rookie kicker in New England. Um, there's a couple kickers out there, so I'm sure the Lions will find someone. But very interesting that the Lions kicked both their kickers out of the building, no pun intended. Now, speaking of kicking people out of the building, the Dallas Cowboys have cut Ben DiNucci. And also Gilbert as well is gone, so that leaves Cooper Rush as the current backup number two in Dallas. Now, I've watched a bunch of the Dallas preseason games, and man, it was hard to like some of those backup quarterbacks. Um, just not, not good things. I mean, I've got nothing but love for Dallas, man, and I want to see them succeed. Like, it was a fun ride in the 90s, and I'd love to see them be relevant again, but obviously Dak Prescott is an elite elite level away from the Ben DiNucci's of the world, but it's just scary to watch what would be your backup quarterback, you know, in a, in a hypothetical situation, come into a game and just stink it up like to an ungodly level. No one is expecting Patrick Mahomes backup to be Patrick Mahomes. No one is expecting Jordan Love to be Aaron Rodgers. No one is expecting you know, the same level, but you're expecting competency. You're expecting them to not fuck it up. You know, just don't give it away. Keep us in the game. Keep it tight, and we'll try to get some luck here or there, but that wasn't happening with Danucci or Gilbert, so both of them have been given their walking papers. Um, the Rams traded a punter, so, you know, again, kickers and punters are people too. Um, the Rams traded a punter to Green Bay, so I thought that was kind of interesting. And uh, you don't see a lot of punter trades, um, but that, that was interesting. So the Packers will have a new punter, and they will also have left tackle David Bakhtieri start the season on pup list. So this means, again, he's going to miss first six weeks of the season, obviously eligible to return after that once he's healthy. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars cut several wide receivers, including Philip Dorsett, obviously former Indianapolis Colt. Um, the Giants, they get uh, guard Ben Bredesen plus a fifth round pick from the Ravens in exchange for a fourth. So the Giants get some help on the offensive line there. The New Orleans Saints, they have also had to put some people on the pup list, including Michael Thomas. 
So if you've already drafted Michael Thomas in your fantasy league, he is already eligible for an IR slot if you have it. So he is someone maybe you can stash and get lucky towards the end of the season, but he will miss the first six weeks of the season. The Saints have also released Devontae Freeman. And on top of that, they're dealing with issues of homelessness. Um, Obviously, with everything that's going on with the hurricane out there, you know, which obviously are positive thoughts and, and best wishes to anybody who is in the New Orleans area or anywhere affected by that hurricane. But among the issues that are compounded for the NFL is the New Orleans Saints are now not sure if and when they will be able to get back to their facilities and be able to work out of them. Um, there are other things to consider, not just the fact of whether or not the stadium itself is able to be accessed and have games played in it, but obviously stadiums play a central role in a lot of emergency disaster situations of housing people and and doing different things like that. So the Saints have been out, I believe, uh, with the Cowboys practicing out there, and they're looking into several possibilities of places that they could... um, host themselves and and work out of at least through the month of September. I know they have a lot of road games after week one, and I don't think they're home again until October anyway. So it's really week one is the main concern, and then obviously finding somewhere for their day-to-day operations to resume until uh, they get the all clear in New Orleans and can go back there. The Atlanta Falcons kept Josh Rosen on their roster, on their initial final 53 so congrats to josh rosen the chosen rosen all my rosen truthers out there who uh were screaming that he was the best quarterback that was coming out of that draft yeah i think he's been on five teams now in the past three years but i hope he sticks somewhere man because it's it would just be such a shame to have i think he was like the 10th overall pick when the cardinals took him uh for him to be shit out of the league that quick after having so much you know, quote, promise um, would be really unfortunate. So I hope he sticks around in Atlanta for a little while. Uh, Another player, quarterback that's sticking around is Dwayne Haskins. So he is, as of right now, on the 53-man roster for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that's something to watch. Watch his development, possibly a reclamation project there. Um, But there's going to be so many more cuts to come. I think a lot of people forget that, oh, you know, this player made the 53-man roster. Great, everyone's here. Listen, there are so many people that are on a 53-man roster right now that within the week will not be because there are going to be people who are claimed off waivers, which in order to claim someone and add someone, you got to get rid of someone. So those players will be replaced. There are still trades that are going to be made. There are team, there are players who are not on a 53-man roster that are going to come back onto the 53-man roster. You see it all the time, not just before week one, but even throughout the season, because sometimes, oftentimes what happens is, let's say you have a wide receiver room or a linebacker room that's very, very competitive, and you're really splitting hairs, and you don't really want to get rid of any of these guys yet, but you know you just can't make a decision. But you have depth at a certain position in another room, but you really like a player, you might cut that player 
knowing there will be less competition for that player's services, and then take an extra three, four weeks, evaluate that linebacker room or that wide receiver room, make your final decision and say, okay, now we can cut that last person and then bring back this other person if they weren't signed somewhere else. So there's a there's a whole chess game that goes into it and constructing the final 53-man roster that will be week one. And even then, it's not final. Again, throughout the season, players get moved around. Even during the playoffs, players get signed uh, that are sitting at home. So you know, that do not think that this is the final 53-man roster. Obviously, most of the craziness has happened in this past week, uh, especially after the final preseason games because each team had to cut 20-plus players uh, by this past Tuesday to get down to the 53. But things will shake itself out. We'll have a lot more, mostly on Twitter, about that news as it happens during the week because the next time that we talk, the next time we talk, is week one game week. And the only thing I want to talk about is every fucking matchup that we have slated for week one. We're going to go over every point spread. We're going to go over every single matchup, every single game. We're going to tell you what we're looking for and uh, what fantasy players we like, all of it, everything. This is where we really, really take it out for a walk and, and just you know give you your real value for being part of the regulators. And I'm so excited to get back to business, doing what we love, doing what we know. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Regulators Podcast. If you are not following us on Twitter, please, please do it. If you don't have a Twitter, you should get one because you're really missing out. But whether you do, whether you don't, if you texted this to one person today, just texted this episode, however you listen to it, whether it's on Spotify, Apple, however you get your podcasts, if you texted one person and said, hey, these guys are pretty cool, check them out, man, it would make my day. And I'm telling you, it goes a long way. And that's how we've slowly grown the regulators army just by word of mouth. The fact that there are people listening to me in 27 countries, whatever country you're in, whatever state you're in, wherever you are, I hope you have an amazing fucking day. And I hope you come find us on Twitter. I hope you engage with us. And, you know, we will catch you next week for week one NFL action. I'm so fucking excited. Love you guys. We'll talk to you soon.